welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Confidently say at least 85% of everybody in this room has sat in, attended, participated, or has heard a teaching, a talk, a presentation, a symposium, a sermon about relationships. If that's true of you, raise your hand. Yeah? Yeah. So for the most part, there is probably in your estimation, do I have everyone's attention? There is probably in your estimation nothing new to this relationship game that you might want to learn. Yeah? Nothing in your estimation. Or we can open up our hearts tonight and just let the light of his word shine upon us. So I don't know about you, but I'm tired of church as, as usual. Yeah. Tired of religion. I'm tired of stereotypes. Tired of cliches. Tired of doing stuff the way everybody does stuff. Without questioning why we're doing stuff that way. Or not questioning why we, sh- we should be doing stuff that way. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I was at a wedding recently as a pastor. And I was the one supposed to join the wedding. And I told them, as, as far as scripture is concerned, marriage is a family affair. And everybody was shocked. I see now I have your attention. Some of you are looking at the candles. Oh, the candles are nice. Will it melt the water? Will it not melt the water? These smudge ups, when are they going to let us taste it? <laughs> are they counting the sweet? <laughs> as soon as I said that, I got your attention. So I have your attention now, right? I said marriage is a family affair. The moment family obligations are, are met, in whatever shape or form, the family stipulates them according to whatever culture or tradition that governs the people that that family is from, including that of the kingdom. In other words, a father has and should have the right to give out his daughter anyhow he so pleases. But for the traditions and cultures of where we're from that are still stronger than the tradition and culture of where we are from. Are you here tonight? Mm -hmm. Because the tradition and culture of where we are from is greater, thicker, and more binding than the tradition and culture of where you all are from. So we have a BBO people in the room and even a BBO from different um, hamlets, different courts, right? (laughs) It cut it here, it cut it there, you know, it cut it everywhere, right? And then we have ethics, we have efforts, we have, um, sorry, quas, yes. We have, uh, there you go, I can't even pronounce that one. Sounds like something that fell and broke. You know? <laughs> some more, can we, can we call some more? Some more. Yakur, yes, I, I know that one. Is that a tribe or a place? 
Okay, so what tribe do they speak? What language do they speak? What dialect do they speak in Biasa? I'm sure there's more than one. Yeah, Cross River has like 200 or something. Yeah, more than 200, right? Different languages. Very, very multilingual. And with, with the different dialects come different cultures and different traditions. Our people say. Yeah, our people have a way of doing things. But as believers, and I really hope I have everyone's attention tonight. At the point we get born again, at the point we come into the kingdom, if we truly come into the kingdom, and this is where the church has missed it over the years. Now, um, it sounds very controversial. It sounds very provocative. It sounds like a stark departure from the norm. But we're considering relationships in the light of Christ, right? If you're in this house or follow us online, you know that our central message is Christ. Because the centrality of the gospel is Christ. And we are not a people that do Christ alongside everything else. We are people that do everything from the standpoint of Christ. There's a difference. There's people that can be Christians conveniently and be other things alongside. Are you following me now? Can be Christians and traditional. Can be Christians and... There's there's armed robbers and, and cult guys that recite psalms before they go to do what they go to do. You know? And even pray. And ask for God's protection when you're going to kill somebody. I know what I'm saying. So you can be Christian nominally or statistically or marginally along with everything else that you're doing. Or you can be a believer that does everything else from the standpoint of your conviction in Christ. Now the church is more of the former than the latter. So we're Christians on Sunday. We're Christians when we're dressed up. Talk to me now. We're Christians when we're praying. You can pray all night and wake the neighborhood. And in the daytime, it doesn't matter how you live your life. You're known as that brother where they pray in the night. Or you can be a believer whose life, tradition, and culture changes because you met Jesus. And it is at that point that life begins to make sense. Are you hearing me tonight? We are selling a culture We are selling a paradigm shift. We are announcing that the systems are changing. That's what this is about. We're not trying to sell to you 25 keys at 48 principles and 19 steps to identifying your life partner. If that's what you came for, you might want to give up your seat right now. And your food. If that's you, please put your hand up. They're giving up your seat right now. Your food. You're like, no, I came to be short my life partner. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you will not get insight. I'm saying that the primary purpose is to look at life through the lens of Christ. Or there's no life to, lo- to live. We cannot be believers along with something else. We are everything else in the light of the fact that we are believers. I'm trying to set the foundation tonight. Do you understand that? We are everything else in the light of the fact that we are believers. I'm a believer. I'm a son of God who happens to be a unical student. I'm not a unical student and a Christian. It is in Christ I am in unical. Is anybody hearing me? It is in Christ I am in business. So your primary identity is in Christ. 
You are sat with heavenly places in Christ. Christ is not just the person, the God, the system. Christ is the location of your existence. So if you miss the fact that you are in Christ, if you try to do anything outside Christ, it will not work. Because he is the location. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he tells them, though you have many, he actually says, though you have 10,000, and that's, that's, that's a metaphor. Yeah, it's an idiom. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. So Paul was identifying that the Corinthian church had a lot of people that were teaching them Christ. Then he says, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, he says again, I begot you through the gospel. So everything about what Paul was doing was happening where? The instruction that the guys were receiving of instructors was happening where? You are sat in heavenly places where? You are the righteousness of God where? Step out of Christ, you have no righteousness. None. He is the domicile of our righteousness. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not, it's not as cool as it ought to be in this room because it's pretty, pretty full. But generally speaking, when you come in here and it looks warm and it feels warm and it doesn't feel as cold, you don't appreciate how cool this room is until you step out that door. When you go out that door, you're in a hurry to come back in. You realize it's much cooler in here. So the cool is happening in here. If there's, are you following me? So the cooling is only possible because it is in here and the doors and the vents are shut. So it can capture and condense the, the climate. It's the same way that Christ is the domicile, he's the residence, he's the container for everything about the believer's reality. So when the writer says, in him we live, Acts 17, in him we move and in him we have our being. It is literal. I said it is literal. In Christ. It happens in Christ. The mistakes we make, therefore, is when we try to step out of the remit of Christ and do something that we have concluded Christ has no business with. That's what has plagued our relationships as well. Are you there now? Because we want to do Christ and do relationship. We want to do Christ and do business not realizing that all happens in Christ it all should happen in Christ so we're looking at relationships tonight in the light of Christ I'm saying this as you ask your questions we can start to answer them and you know what we're dealing with and where we're coming from it therefore means that if we have an answer for you the answer and I'm trusting God by his spirit that we will that the answers will be as informed by our reality in Christ. You can teach a person 25 ways to do something, 30 ways to do something, 40 ways to do something. Or you can show them how it's done. And they can navigate it for themselves. Make sense? So we'll answer a few questions. But ultimately you find out in the course of the evening that it all converges on one thing. Christ. His model. His pattern. His heart, his love, his patience, his tolerance, his sacrifice, his work, his expectations. And all we need to do is imitate. I've said over and over, 
there will be much less rascals in church if we showed all the people Jesus. Are you here today? Yeah. A man can only rape a woman when he does not see Christ. You can teach him morality all you want. Peer pressure and the influences of society are, are very strong portals. But you can teach a man his reality in Christ and cause him to see that in another. And each time he sees someone, he sees them the way Christ would. So if you fix his optics, if you fix the way he sees life, you will fix all the things that could have gone wrong in his life. And then save a generation of people the heartache of encountering somebody who is Christless. And I'm not talking unbelievers. I'm talking Christians. I mean, if I, if, I, if, if I asked you, and I'm not asking you, if I asked you in this room right now, and I say in this room of about 70 ladies, and I say if you have not gone through any form of sexual abuse, psychological abuse, or verbal abuse, put your hand up. If there's 50 people here, there's probably only four or five who haven't. True. I know what I'm saying. I know what I deal with every day. Especially around here. It's almost some sort of epidemic. And this is, this is happening in church. Don't look at me funny. You didn't come here to be religious. Who am I talking to? Yeah. Let me know who I'm... I want to deal with real people. Yeah, we, we didn't put through... You, how many of you paid to come in here? So you can't come in here and form for anybody. Hello? Yeah. So keep your eyes open and be alert. We came to talk. Not to dance. We said, let's... How do we talk? By talking. So why are you surprised that we're talking? We have taught a young man a lot of things around here. And we haven't taught him who he is in Christ. And we haven't taught him that the person that he will maltreat. The person that he will take advantage of. The person he will abuse. Is as he is in Christ. It changes the entire ballgame. What we're trying to do in, in society is not a feat that morality can achieve. And I'm hoping I have your attention tonight. A better society is not a feat, F-E-A-T, that morality can achieve. It has to be the light of Christ. You have to show men as practically as possible how this boils down to their Christ reality. Otherwise, then nothing going to change. But we are of a generation of which something is going to change. Something is changing. That's what this is about. You glad you're here tonight? You glad you're here tonight? I've always said, and I'd like you guys to hear this very carefully. I've said it over and over and over every single time I've done a wedding. I've said this. And I keep saying it every other time. Until the church can pay attention every time the church conducts and I put conduct in quote a wedding <laughs> I said I put conduct in quote because the church is yet to explain how we came about conducting weddings I told you I don't just do things because people are doing stuff let's question what the word of God says let's see it in the light of God's word where we got all our liturgy from the things that we do where we got them from we have a lot of explaining to do so every time I, as a way, conduct a wedding, which I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've never joined, I've, I've, I've done weddings. I've never joined any couple together that have not joined themselves. 
No, no man can join you. The church ratifies what is coming together under God. Each time I've done that, conducted a wedding service, you know, marriage blessing, marriage solemnization. You know, that one is very proper. If you want to be very serious on your wedding card, you know, it's a wedding solemnization. Uh-huh. It's true, it doesn't stop there. There's two sentences. The marriage solemnization of holy matrimony of their children. And then you wonder why the printer is charging you extra money when just to announce what you want to do is three sentences. Marriage solemnization of holy matrimony of their children before your name. And your local government and your village. It's only your BVM we have not put in your wedding card. <laughs> now they will add your name. <laughs> I mean, the name has to count for something. We can't go through all this trouble to get name for just SIM card. No, think about it. We have to add RSVP chief Asuko Nin. <laughs> Because, you know, after all this drama, I mean, the name has to be used for something. The name should replace your jam number or something. You know, you go to the, to the embassy to go to America and they ask you a question. And you're like, everything should just boil down to your name. Once you supply your name, you're gone. The devil comes to oppress you at night. He just checks. Ah, this one has name. They won't press you. They won't press you again. Because you're illegal, Nigeria. Every time I've spoken at a wedding ceremony... I've said this, and I'll start with this. Every time a wedding happens among believers and Christ was not preached, the wedding failed. Did you hear what I said? Let me repeat it. Every time a marriage took place, a wedding took place, in a setting of believers, and Christ wasn't preached, even if the couple goes on to live happily ever after, the wedding ceremony failed. Now we're looking at relationships in the light of Christ, right? Why do I say that? Before you look at me and go, hmm, he has come again. He has come again. He has come again. Ephesians 5 and verse 22 starts to deal with the dynamics of a heterosexual relationship in the marriage context between a man and a woman. Just in case you didn't understand what I meant by that, I meant between a woman and a man. I meant between a male human being and a female human being and the church say and he starts to talk about it by talking about wives submitting to your own husbands as unto the Lord 21, 22, 23, 24 and then in about 29 I reckon let's see 29 yeah 30 for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones 31 for this course I believe yes for this course please give us King James everybody knows King James in this verse for this cause, you, all, you know this one, right? Shall a man leave his father and mother, don't change from this slide yet, and be joined to his wife, and the two, go on, next slide, shall become, we all know this verse. How many of you don't know this verse? You need deliverance if you don't know this verse. <laughs> you know this verse, right? 31. 
And in every wedding ceremony, we hear this verse. Verse 32. This is a great mystery. But I, Paul, it speaks concerning Christ. If you miss this verse in Ephesians 5, keep your mouth shut. It starts in 22, dealing with wives, loves your, love your own, submit your husbands as unto the Lord. You know, next verse, let's run through it quickly. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, right? Woman, that means if your husband wants something, give him something. That's what we preach in weddings. If your husband wants to do, let him do. Because your body is not yours, but it's his, which is true. First Corinthians 7. Yeah, his body is not his, but it's yours. That's correct. If your husband is hungry, feed him. Wives, that's what you're there for. I sat in a wedding where a bishop, in Calabar, where a bishop said, oh, most men that suffer is because they, they are married to ethnic women. He said, because the women can cook. They don't have a problem cooking. So the... I'm sure the ethical men in the wedding began to murmur and grumble. They were like, Bishop, if you come down from that place. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. It's like, if you marry ethical men, you're dead. You starve. They, they are very proud. So if you see a woman that can cook and look after, she's a BBO woman. And the whole cathedral began to literally grumble. Everything else he said after that, nobody heard. I was just laughing. <laughs> Because you are, in, you, are in, you, are in, you are in trouble already if you married a woman to cook for you. You are in trouble already. And that's the misogynist society that we have raised and are inheriting. That's what church is teaching. Of every woman sub, subservient to every man. It's not scriptural. You realize that in, in, the, in, the, in the love value chain, in God's order of love, the person who is in love does more than the person who is loved. Are you hearing me? In God's order of love, the person who is loving does more. The progenitor of love. Are you following me now? The, the originator of love, the dispenser of love, does more in the love thing than the, than the recipient of love. Stay with me. So when we approach somebody already and say, eh -eh, employ a cook. Don't marry a wife. For how to cook food. I said let's talk relationships in the light of Christ. What we don't see Jesus do with the church. No man has a right to do with a woman. And this will go the ox of your culture. This will trouble the foundations of your tradition. And then now we will know who is true. God or your tradition. Because we have a generation of people to save. And me, I ain't going to keep my mouth shut. Some, uh, some things that should stop with our parents' generation. And not, and not be handed down. Because in order for Christ to be on display, human ideologies like you saw in 2 Corinthians 10 must be willing to take a back seat. Human philosophy. I'm not saying they don't have their place. But they cannot be put on the same pedestal as scripture. Are you following me now? At the, uh, the last wedding I did, I sat next to a king, you know, paramount ruler, actual serving king. And he was speaking to myself and my wife, and he turned to us and he said, I, I noticed he was skipping a lot of the things in the traditional thing, you know, the imin, you know, the drinks of, you know. Was, at the point I said to him, I said, Your Highness, is all your culture about drinking? 
I asked him because there's drink for knocking on the door there's drink for answering the door there's drink for what we came to ask after the door was open to us there's a drink for uh, what you have accepted us I'm not joking there's a drink for now to pray that our, our, our mission has been successful there's now a drink to ask for the person to come in there's, I say, I say, your highness is, is, is it all it's, what's, what's the pronunciation I mean something yeah, yeah, I remember it I'm like I'm like, it looks like your whole thing is about drinking, sir. He <laughs> said, actually, to a large extent, it is. I said, yeah, I, I, I see. <laughs> so they brought this other one, you know. And they brought it, and this one was for um, prayer. For the, for the acceptance of the knock on the door and all that. And apparently that was supposed to be drunk. Um, and so he said, this is supposed to be poured out. You know, it's supposed to be poured out to the some of it, the hot drinks are supposed to be poured out to the gods of the land, ancestors, and then the soft drinks that are not hot, <laughs> you know. The hard drinks are poured out, you know. The soft ones can now be drank with a little of the other ones that are not hot nor soft. You know those ones, like the beers, yeah. There's the medium ones, like beer, and there's the hot drink, and then that's, which is strong, you know, and then there's the soft one. So he said, this is supposed to be poured out, but it won't be poured out. So let's be packed off the table. I said, why? It was right next to me. I said, why, sir? Me, me, I don't keep my mouth shut. Each time I sit with such people, there's an opportunity to get a window into their own philosophy. So I actually said, sir, but why won't it be done? He said, oh, no, I'm a Christian. So I lit up. And he said, I am only a traditional man to the extent it does not interfere with my faith. A king. A king. He said, even in my palace, I have told them, there are some things we no longer do. So we cannot pour this out. I'm a believer. So they can take you. Whoever wants to drink, he can drink it. Whatever he wants to drink, he can do. But let him leave the table now. And joy welled up in my spirit. Because that is a legacy that is being passed down. In this place where diabolism sits on the same table as religion, both of them will go down in the light of Christ. And we will keep teaching until that happens. I said, wow, fantastic. Amazing. And the guy had my attention. So you speak at a wedding and you read that scripture. And you talk about all you talk about. Wives do this. It means submit. It means do that. It means do the other. You know, it means cook for your husband. You didn't know how to cook. Your mom was cooking. You were running around playing football. Listen, let me say something again that will provoke some of you. The average nine-year-old girl, listen to me carefully. The average nine-year-old girl, for emphasis, African girl can run her own home. The average, average 29-year-old man has no clue. Take what I've said anywhere. The average nine-year-old has a grasp on her family. The average 29-year-old boy ain't got a clue. If you allow him, he'll be in mama's house. When he steps out, he expects in the person he has fallen in love with to take the place of his mother, but to not treat him as his mother. So do all my mother does, but don't talk to me like my mother. Are you my mother? But that's all he's expecting of the woman. 
to fill in the blanks of his mother. So you marry your wife, wife is your alarm. She's your blanket. She's your cook, washman. And then we preach and say, yes, you know what? Wives, wives, if you preach works to a wife towards her husband, you have to preach works to the church towards Christ. Relationships in the light. It's high time we start separating. We st- stop separating it. It's high time we address this hydra-headed monster at the root. And let the generation of God chasers come up as sons of God and know their place. Sons and daughters of God. Men and women. You, it, it, it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. You can't preach works to a wife and not preach works to the church. You think, I mean, think about it carefully. Thank God there's pastors in the room and there's elders in the room. Think carefully. You think that Paul took time to write efficient letter because what was in his mind was how a wife should cook for the husband. Let's question this thing. Paul, who was a servant leader, writing to the Ephesian church and going, hmm. And the Ephesian church was one of the churches that had almost zero issues. You know, you'd have thought, okay, okay, maybe Corinthian church. Because the woman in Corinth, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I hope there's no Corinthian woman here. Jesus. Corinthian woman. Somebody's prophesying, Corinthian women are shouting, No, we also have the Spirit of God. We too, we can prophesy. The Spirit is on everybody, not just you. Is it just you? We too, we can. Spiritual feminism. It was therefore to this Corinthian woman that Paul wrote to Timothy when Timothy was pastor in Corinth to tell them to shut up. Not women all over the world in all generations. If Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, we can infer that. But there's no way that we can submit. On the balance of probabilities, that Paul was sitting down and writing to the church and what was on his mind in how many, is how many clothes a woman can wash for her husband. And you're already in deep cow dung if you're not married and you're already being used as a slave. Oh, yeah. She has to prove she's wife material. No, listen to me. Shh. Watch this. Shh. Nobody ever wears material. They wear cloth. We don't wear it until it has gone from material to dress. And the tailor must be good, sir. So what makes you, female son of God, believe the conditioning that they must test ride you as wife material? No, it's not. It's not it's, there are some things that only a wife does. Not wife material. Material is not yet wife. So if you are interested in the material, you bought it, you should know the integrity of what you bought. Now start to tailor it. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus saw the church in its material state. Fell in love with wife material. And set in motion a purification process. To present that material to him as a wife. And all our families are doing is preparing a girl for her husband's house. Is that what she was born for? 
What are you going to do when you get to your husband's house? What are you... And so all a girl grows up being conditioned is that her duty is to serve a man. Look at it in the church. The church in its average state is conditioned to believe that what she gets from God is based on her performance. You want? Pray. You want? Give. You want? So. You want? Be. You want? Come. You want? Fast. You want? Donate. You want? Be faithful. You want? And it, it mirrors exactly where the church is with God. I feel like somebody's already being helped tonight. And then, man, you walk around like a peacock in heat. I'm a man. Every woman is under you. Who says who? You're a witch, sir. I say, yeah, what? A witch. Because women are not some things walking around waiting for the sharpest guy to pluck. And so once we understand who we are as sons of God, male, female, there's some nonsense in the society that will stop. If you're trying to force yourself on somebody and see the image of Christ, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will hit you. And realize you cannot take what you've not been given. And vice versa. Because it has to be a mirror of Christ. So every time we preach that message, uh, Ephesians 5, and we go, yeah, and then we go, husbands, love your wives, provide for her. You know, look after her, speak nice of her. Even as Christ also loved the church, watch this carefully, and gave himself for it, for the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church, right? With the, who's cleansing the church? The husband that fell in love. That he might cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Go on. That he might present it to himself. He might present his product to himself. So there is no wife waiting to be married. There's precious damn cells full of the Holy Ghost that a man must take in Christ and build to his image. Or keep quiet when men are talking. These this, this waters are not for boys to navigate. They can be grown up men who are boys. Do you know who I, how old I am? That, so what? So what? So what? So what? <laughs> who told you it was age? I mean, age has its place, but sir, age is not maturity. Age is not maturity. And he might present her to himself a bride without spot or wrinkle. Look at this. A glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle. So if your wife, at the time you married her, has a spot or wrinkle, it's your fault. <laughs> it meant you as a husband was not ready for a wife. If your wife had flaws and has flaws. Who produced it? Not her ex, is you. Do you still love me? You straighten the mess. You fix the mess. If you can't fix the mess, you don't love enough. Keep moving. Do you know what I said? Tell anybody, if you can't fix the mess, you don't love enough. Keep moving. Yeah, keep moving, keep moving. Keep moving. No parking here. No parking because one of the hallmarks of a relationship is that the progenitor of the love is committed to fixing the mess. The progenitor of love is not intimidated by the amount of the mess he meets on the scene. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and void. What is wrong with you? Look at the scripture. This scene, uncle, a Broadway play. 
The scene of creation opens. And what does it open with? Chaos. Mess. You think God was not God enough to start creation from beauty? To start creation from chaos? Has anybody asked? I mean, he's God, sir. At the moment that creation was a thought in his head, it could have arrived done. Is anybody hearing me? You're trying to, the quicker you respond, the sooner I can take your questions. I told you I don't have a message. We did all of this. I was telling her this afternoon. I said, can you, know, can you believe I've done all of this? And I don't have a thought in my head. Oh, but we trust our Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know just what to do. He could have arrived. I mean, in, in Revelation 21, sir, we see a new Jerusalem descending from the sky from God. That means it's, poss- I mean, it's, it's possible now. The creation could have just arrived, descended from God. But you don't see that. And that's instructive. That's instructive. Now the earth was too, was without form and void. And darkness, darkness was upon the face of the deep. The same thing that happened in John, in Matthew, in Mark. When the new creation was about to be born. Darkness over the earth. First creation, darkness preceded. New creation, darkness preceded. Are you getting it now? The whole earth went dark. As Jesus entered groaning. To bring about the new creation. Just as darkness preceded. That first chaotic narrative. When the first creation was about to be made. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit, same agent. If the spirit of him who raised up Christ from the dead. Same creative agent was there at the beginning. The spirit of the Lord hovered over the surface of the deep. And he goes, peace, beauty is coming. Peace and purpose is coming. That's what the spirit of God does. Spirit of comfort. Peace, light is coming. Peace, order is coming. Because for anything to happen... The creative agent of the Holy Ghost must stimulate the atmosphere. And there he was, hovering on the surface of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he separates the light from the light. Then starts to bring order, separates the firmament from the firmament. And, and guess why God was doing all of this? So you can receive the instruction at the end of each thing that was put in order. And he saw it, and it was good. God himself was going, yeah. Tick. Like, ah, I nailed that one. Tick. Let's go on to this one. I got this one. Tick. And God got to a point where he went from good to very good. And he went very good. And very good. And very good. And after very good, he kept going. Until he got to the point where he went, now I'm done. I rest. Excellent. Instructive. What makes you therefore feel that you can have ready made? Who should ready make it for you? Who should ready make it for you? My guy. And then ladies go, yeah, preach it to them, Pav. Tell them. They ought to hear this. I'm coming for you. Because when Jesus walked the earth, he did not look like what he was capable of. Stay with me carefully. Relationships in the light of Christ. He, Jesus did not look like what he was promising. You're talking about the kingdom. You're talking about the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? 
my kingdom is among you at one point. At another point, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at another point, the kingdom of God is like, where, where is the kingdom? You see the son of man exalted in glory. Hey, we're waiting. And then he gets difficult. He gets tough in John 6. I says, except to eat my, 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 my flesh and drink my blood. You have no part in me. Like, you. I ain't going to do that. I know, I know cannibal. And in that famous number combination, John 6, 6, 6, from that moment on, many of his disciples turned away and stopped following him. Many of his disciples, not many of miracle seekers. Yes, Mateteo, people that were students of Jesus, stopped following him. Because it didn't seem like he knew what he was saying. And you look at a brother who is a son of God. And you look at him and you're like, nah, he ain't going nowhere. Because you want a brother who has suffered with somebody else. And when he has suffered with somebody else and about to get enter, enter glory, you now come as the latter rain. <laughs> I want a brother who is wealthy. A brother who has a 56-inch TV, see your forehead like 56. That's why you have a plasma forehead. They're like, every brother. That's it. The TV is, is not even plasma. Do you have a car? You don't have a car. You don't even have a car. Even both, you don't have. You don't want to marry. All of this. You want to marry all of this. One of the deepest things God gave a female son of God is the spirit of discernment. If you lose discernment, you are lost. All the advice of your father, mother, pastor, colleagues, and your friends abroad and in the village will amount to nothing. In the absence of discernment. You have to be able to see what can otherwise not be seen. Are you hearing me? That's what that guy saw when he said, Malatos, John 6, 67. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Let's see how TPT puts this verse. So Jesus said to his 12, and you, do you also want to leave? Now here is somebody, nothing. Jesus is being called a Samaritan, Osu. Jesus being called an outcast. Jesus being called demon possessed. Jesus being called Lord of the flies, Belzebub. Or Lord of demon stinking spirits. That's what Beelzebub can also mean. Jesus being called a wine babbler. Jesus being called a womanizer. Jesus was almost being called everything except who he was. He himself was not helping matters addressing himself as son of man. Because you'd have thought every now and then Jesus would introduce himself as apostle Jesus. You know, God the son. You know what I'm saying? Son of God in the earth made flesh. 100% man, 100% God. You know what I'm talking about? He would have made it a a little easier for them to connect with his vision. But every time Jesus did vision casting, he failed. Destroyed this temple. Three days, I'll bring it up. Ha! This temple took us 40 years to build. I meant my body. God forbid, Peter said, don't, Jesus. I bind you in Jesus' name. (laughs) Peter. Peter said, God forbid, Peter. How can you, Jesus, say you are going to die? How can you say that? I bind you. In Jesus' name. Did you, did you, I, I guess in the picture. Yeah. But eventually, they start to grow in stuff. And he says, do you want to leave? You too. Please hear what that Peter says in the next verse. Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where 
would we go? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. At that time, Peter did not have it. At the time Peter said this, Peter was not born again. Nobody was born again until Jesus died. (laughs) To whom shall we go? King James. Discernment. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words. Peter didn't even at that point say, thou hast eternal life. But I perceive if we stay with you, what you're saying will lead us into eternal life. And sometimes you need to look at that diamond in the rough and be able to discern. Now you look like you know where you're going. Nothing frustrates a woman like a good choice she got wrong. They're quiet now. That's the truth. Ah! This guy, when he had nothing, I knew him more. This guy chased me. Who knows what I'm talking about? This guy chased me. See him now. See me now. <laughs> you need discernment more than you need good looks. You need to see where a person is and see where he's going in light of where he is. That's how we have come as far as we have come with him. Hello? We're with Jesus because he doesn't come across as though he could lie. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, I am. In John 17, 17, says, sanctify. That was John 14, 6. John 17, 17, says, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. And he is the word. So he's true. We believe that we shall have immortality because he said it. And and we have discerned by his spirit that he's worth believing. That's the same principle. So you realize that everything about relationships in the earth are to show the dynamics, metaphorically speaking, of his relationship with us. So if we do a marriage and we miss that, we missed everything. Everything. Every marriage is an opportunity to highlight the dynamics of Christ's relationship with the church. Every relationship should work towards that. So husband cannot be going ahead of wife. Wife cannot be going ahead of husband. Boyfriend cannot be acting as husband. Hello? There were things that the disciples did before Jesus died. There were other things that they did not do until Jesus died. There's a clear difference between the apostles, the disciples, pre-cross and post-cross. The power that they had available to them, the authority they had available to them, pre-cross and post-cross are different. Does that make sense? The things Jesus taught before the cross are different from the things he taught after the cross. The way he related with them before the cross is different from the way he related with them after the cross. It's a difference. So we cannot be together and say we are family. How are we family? You and who are family? You just went and rented a girl. Higher purchase, pastor said. <laughs> Buy now, pay later. I say we are family. You and who are family? As a union. Who unionize you? And then guys get possessive. My woman. My wo- eh? <laughs> you have woman. <laughs> Is this helping anybody? Yes, Put 32 back on the screen. All of that boils down to this. Put in TPT. Let's see how TPT puts verse 32. Ephesians 5.32. Oh. Are you writing questions already? Some of you are already getting answers to your questions. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, TPT says. 
a great and sacred mystery meant to be, go on, a vivid example. So if you do marriage, talk about marriage and miss the example and who the example is pointing to, what did you do? You failed. Can you see that in your Bible? The message. I, I, I wonder how the church has missed this for centuries. How do we get here? The message says, very plainly, this is a huge mystery and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is dearest to me is the way Christ. So what was on Paul's mind when he was talking about husband and wife? How Christ treats the church. And how the church responds to the Christ treatment. Husband going to do the same, wife going to do the same. So every opportunity you get to practice a heterosexual relationship with any form of intimacy is a God-given opportunity to showcase the example of Christ and the church in the earth. Now imagine if every male and female understood this. That you will not take your hand and ever hit a woman. You won't, you won't, you won't find the ability to conceive the thought in your head. Because if you do that, and then you go as lame as going, but she provoked me, pastor, she provoked me. You're a weak man. You're a very weak man. And I'm saying to some of you young men here that that's the only example you have. It was wrong, sir. It was wrong. I'm sorry for what you went through, but it's a better example than your father. I'm sorry for what you went through, but it's a better example than your guardian. It's a better example than your neighbor. His name is Jesus, and his grace is why you're still here. And because he's the pattern son, the one we imitate, what we don't see him do, we don't do. And don't tell me, oh, she shouldn't, she should, well, pastor, tell her, she she should not provoke me. You two don't provoke Jesus. Because every day, all the church is doing is provoking Jesus. And his grace is speaking over you. For where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Oh, but me, I don't sin. Shut up. You sin differently. Don't provoke me. How many times have you provoked Jesus? How many times? The metaphor of, of, of Christ and the church, God and the, that bridal metaphor, I've taught our guys here in our discipleship and stewardship training program, is come from the Old Testament. He told them in, he told them in Jeremiah 3, I am married to you already. He told them in, in Isaiah 64, I will marry your land. He tells Hosea, go and marry a prostitute and then I will show you what Israel is doing to me. Metaphorically speaks about it, or allegorically rather, in Songs of Solomon. It's always been there. He's always wanted that example to guide our sonship with him. So what he doesn't do, we can't do. Because he's the pattern. Don't let your task not provoke me. Don't, don't provoke Jesus. But every time, you see, I go and read Isaiah, Isaiah 1, where he's, he's, um, especially in the, in the message, where he says, I'm, I'm tired of your events. Conference, conference, conference. Yeah. Seminar for this, seminar for that. You have wearied me with your sacrifices. In the message, is actually scary. In the message, it sounds like somebody today wrote it. Tired of all the stuff you're doing. All the lies we're doing in church. And God is merciful to us. In fact, most times, the ability, the temerity we have to open our mouth and say, but it is working, is because God is merciful. Do you understand what I'm saying? God, God is merciful. I, I feel sorry. I feel very, it's actually very funny when I see people attack the gospel of grace. And I tell people, I said, I'm not, I'm not offended when people attack the gospel of grace. Because the, the fact that they attack it and stay alive is proof that the gospel of grace is true. 
Because if not for the grace you are fighting. As you are conceiving it in your head. You want to do works. Because he judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you can fight grace and sleep and wake up because of grace. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? It's grace. Or else. And we do all that stuff and he's merciful to us. And every day we have a high priest. 1 John 2 and 2. Every day. 1 John 2 and 2. My little children, these things are right to you that you may not sin. That you may not. That you may not. That you may not. But we know you still sin. It's not you like this. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. The righteous. There's one person who is righteous. One. As far as God is concerned, only one person is righteous. If you will be righteous, you will be righteous inside Christ Jesus. <laughs> that we may become the righteousness of God. The righteous. That's why he can advocate. Only him. See verse 2. Beautiful. He himself, not he by delegated authority. He himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also. See how long-suffering he is. See how long-suffering he is. Galatians 5, 22. You have his spirit. If I go to Galatians 4, 6 first. Relationships in light of Christ, right? Galatians 4, 6. Take a verse back to 5. Galatians 4, 5. To redeem those who were under the law that, go on, we might receive adoption as sons. See verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. The spirit of his son is not your spirit. You're born again because he has sent the spirit of his son into your heart. Do you understand that now? That's what they call the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This now explains Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of that spirit of his son that has been sent into your heart is love. 5:22. So when we see the fruit of the spirit, you understand what spirit now? <laughs> the spirit of his son that has been sent into your heart. Is manifest in love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. You can have long-suffering because the son had long-suffering and because the spirit of this son has been sent into your heart. So you cannot be found without long-suffering. Love suffers long. Love will say, I'm not doing any more. I'm done. And misses the object of its love. And yearns for it. Hurts about it. And yearns for it. It's very stupid. Love is very stupid. Love doesn't make sense. If your love makes sense, you are not ready yet. That's why it has never been said that, oh, I saw that lady. And I said, oh, oh, Pastor Mrs. I just, I looked at her and she was so gorgeous. She's delectable, elegant, regal, you know. 
and, and I'm enthralled by her. I'm beguiled by her beauty. And, and, I, and as, I, as I look at her, I, I can't get a grip on myself. And, and, I, and I stood in love. It always ends in I fell in love. Because you don't stand in love. You don't even see it. It is not love until you fall. See, falling. For, see, see how senseless it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten for sinners. Only son. For enemies of God. What happened? God fell. God fell in love and pride and reasoning and logic and sense. Lost meaning. And he is the pattern. So you understand now what Solomon meant when he wrote, don't trouble love until she be ready. Don't awaken love. Because the, the language of the kingdom is love. The expression of God's spirit is love. Is it helping anybody? So fix up. Look at the pattern and fix up. That's why I've spent time showing you the pattern from scripture. I haven't even spent time more. Just, just showing you a little bit of the pattern so that you can understand. And, and so you see that while we'll answer some questions, the idea about tonight is that as we show you the principle, you can take your questions and line them up in the light of the principle. All the answers will come. Look at Christ and the church. You have your answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't have time to be gathering people every week trying to tell you how your relationship is going to go. We have a gospel to preach. But once we show you the principle... And you, husband, look at the pattern example as a man from Jesus. And you, wife, look at the pattern example as a wife from the church. The whole submission thing and why people, women struggle is the same way the church is struggling. Jesus is Lord, but. I know you are the head, but. Me too, don't I have an opinion? That's why we have multiple denominations. Denominations showed up in church from opinions. For people that are not okay and comfortable to stay submitted to their husband, opinions Presbyterian, Episcopalian, you know, Methodist, Anglican, Catholic, Pentecostal, Evangelical, Charismatic, and and the like. Free church, non denominational, interdenominational, intradenominational. Just because the word is not sufficient, I know the Bible says here yet, but but does it not also say there? I avoid such people because scripture cannot contradict scripture. So if you want to learn scripture properly, you cannot come at scripture with another scripture. I don't have time for you. If you by the time you come and say, you, you saw that the scripture says this. You then say, yeah. When we show you something, no, but so that anyone that is more convenient to us, <laughs> we don't hold it there and camp it there. And that's where all this confusion has come from. And when the first thing that they ask you, when you say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, the first thing they ask you is, where do you worship? Same thing the Samaritan woman was arguing in John, John 4. Yeah. That the cross took care of. And we are still dragging it. Look at Christ and the church. Pattern yourself after them. Simple. No argument. But I want to do my own like this. No, you will find yourself when you have lost yourself. Are you getting the principle? So take that and then you, it becomes the litmus test for every relationship. A guy is coming, you look at him, look at Jesus. The guy can line up, he can't line up, you show the guy. You know, you can only pretend for so long. Pretending is very expensive. 
Do you understand? In these austerity times, <laughs> you cannot fund pretense for long. You will run out of capital. And when you run out of capital, you're resafe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's very expensive to pretend. It's cheaper to be yourself. So somebody comes and they go, yes, in Jesus' name, yes, praise God. How are you? We bless God. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. How are you? God is good. Give it time. Give it time. After a while, something will come. Sponsored by a process whose agenda is to reveal your real self. No, say, but you say, God is a man. Stop that in there. I thought you said we should pray in all things. <laughs> what happened was, so you run in parallel with the pattern. Listen to me. In any relationship, this is the best gift you can be given. The gift of a pattern that is that will never change. I'm not here to show you how I got married. That's nonsense. Haven't you heard that in seminars? My wife and I have been here for 23 years. Who do I help? I met my wife and we dated for three months and we got married. So what? Yours can be 14 years. At what point something's wrong with you? Because if your tailor has your material for 14 years, something's wrong with both you, the tailor, and the material. We're waiting on the Lord. Liar! The Lord is waiting on you. Wait on the Lord, wait on the 12 years, wait on the Lord, wait on the 9 years, wait on the Lord, wait on the 14 years, wait on the Lord, 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 you hear trumpet will sound. That's if you hear it. So remove yourself of all the pressure and see Christ and through his lens see everything else. Does that make sense? So we're going to take the questions, I'm not teaching. Um, are there questions for me now? If you don't give me questions, I'll keep talking. We're just going to start taking questions and we have the backdrop that I've laid, don't we? About relationships in the light of Christ. And then we'll start to deal with it. There are things that are on my heart to say as we answer questions, those things will pop out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Okay. Ready for this? It's good that we've had the background that we've had. And there's a bunch of questions here. I will try and take as many as I can. How do you move past the scars of your abusive relationship, both family and courtship-wise? Here in this house, I taught a, I taught a series twice. First time he was titled The Great Exchange. Second time he was titled, he swapped it. Exploring The Great Exchange. There is no amount of abuse, however great or little, that is justified upon any human. None. No amount of abuse is justified. Verbal, physical, sexual, psychological, which can be the worst. Mental, cause sexual, none that is justified. Having said that, as sons of God, we also understand that there is no abuse that Jesus did not take for us. Now, if he took it, just like he took your sins before you sinned them. He took your sins before you were born to sin. 
So it's not when you sinned that he took it. It was seen in time to come and it was paid for. So you arrived to cash in on the forgiveness of your sins. Are you here? Now if that is true, which it is, the same thing applies to the abuse he took. So that when you arrive and I abused, you remember that he took it. Like when you arrive and you are sinning, then the gospel announces to you that he took your sin. Not only did he take your sin, 2 Corinthians 5 says he became your sin. So at the time God was going to judge sin for eternity, he saw all of it epitomized in Christ and judged him as sin. Jesus was not judged as son of man. He was judged as sin because he became sin. And the only thing that is done to sin is to judge it. The soul that sinneth shall die. It is true. Ezekiel 18, 20. Jesus took all the sin and died. And I died with him. So yes, the price for sin is paid. In full. Now we all believe that that's one of the hallmarks of our salvation. That's also what governs how we respond to abuse. Jesus took it. Now it happened to me all the same. Like he took my sin and I fell into a mess. But his forgiveness speaks because his forgiveness spoke ahead of my mess. So when I fall into abuse, his healing speaks ahead of my abuse. And all you need to do is remind yourself that you're a new creation in Christ. You're new every day. Are you hearing me? You're new. You never become old in Christ. You're new. As long as you went from that glory to this glory, you're new. And his mercies... And new every morning. You are not your abuse. Now you start to speak to yourself and remind yourself not just who you are not, but who you are. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He was bruised for my infirmities. The chastisement for my peace was upon him. By his stripes, I was healed. So I'm whole. He's our peace, Galatians said. Who has broken the middle wall? Peace. Irene. A state of completeness. When nothing is missing. And nothing is broken. And all is at rest. That's peace. Not the absence of a storm. But the presence of your spiritual reality in the midst of a storm. Irene. That's the word for peace in the Greek. And he's become my peace. He's become my stability, my anchor in difficult times. And so the enemy will come and remind you. Remember what they did to you. Remember when that happened to you. Sometimes you even see the person that afflicted you. And the messages like, who told you forgiveness is unconditional? Will pop up in your heart. Messages like, purpose in your pain, in all things God. Will pop up in your heart. Help! I'm losing my mind. Will pop up in your heart. And then you begin to inform yourself that I am not the abuse. I am not the rape. Because let me say this, and let me say this (laughs) provocatively. Because of the juxtapose or the interpolation of culture and and tradition and religion, we have made what we call in anatomical terms virginity. We've made it overrated. Virgin, 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 
virgin. Are we advocating sexual immorality? Absolutely not. It's, the, it's among the things that the grace of God that teaches salvation informed us to flee. Are you following me now? So for the believer in Christ, sin is never the message. Christ is the message. Paul tells them, put off the old man. Along with it, it's what he lost. You know, put, put away all lying and filthiness. Superfluity of, he says, put away. That's how it is, put away. It doesn't say pray away. Stay with me, guys. Put away. And we have overrated, we have overrated an anatomical condition almost as a prerequisite for righteousness. And at the point you elevate that to it becomes morality as performance for righteousness. So that when a person feels like their high man is missing, they feel like there's a level of righteousness they can never attain. Especially when he was forcefully taken away from you. And the church hasn't mastered the message of healing and bringing wholeness to a person, not because of what they did, but because of what Jesus did. It's what Christ did. So if he says you are a new creation, abuse ain't got nothing on you. You better believe it. That's what John 6 says. That's the work of the Father. Isn't 28 or 29, John 6, 28, 29. This is the works of the Father that you believe on him who he sent. And it begins to go. It's difficult. It's a war of faith in your mind. You're not your abuse. You're bigger than it. Hallelujah. Does that help anybody? Confess it. Confess who you are in Christ. Move away from it. Anything else we'll tell you will be us giving you human advice. <laughs> and you'll not hear that from my mouth. Because you know, there's many different ways we can suggest what you should do. You know, read a book, say a confession, go to a therapist. The blood is bigger than psychology. The blood is powerful. What it wipes, nothing can undo. How does one know that he is not supposed to marry? First of all, the question is, how did we get to the point where marriage is a life ambition? We have to deal with this first, really, as the root cause. Hallelujah. Is, is anybody in, getting something here? First Corinthians 7. I will need to go from 25. And, and I think we should look at it in a TPT. 25. Now, let me address the issue of singleness. I must confess, I have no command to give you that comes directly from the Lord. But let me share my thoughts on the matter. As coming from one who has experienced the mercy of the Lord. Paul says, I do not speak as the Lord in King James, but as one who has the Spirit of the Lord. See verse 26. Because of the severe pressure we are in. Somebody say amen. amen. I recommend you remain as you are. Pastor, this is not what we came here to hear. Show us 19 steps to marry. <laughs> message. You, you begin to, when you leave here, some of you begin to ask yourselves, how did we get here? Message. Because of the current pressures on us all, from all sides, I think it will probably be best to stay just as you are. Go back to 25 so we know who we're talking about. 
The master did not give explicit direction, go on, regarding virgins or people who were not married. But as one much experienced in the mercy of the master and loyal to him all the way, you can trust my counsel. Don't marry. NLT. 26. Ish, ish, ish. I can see your heart burning. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. Go back to TPT and let's go to 27. Do the journey gently. 27. If you are married, stay in the marriage. If you are single, Okay, is this your Bible? This is your Bible? Okay, King James. You only trust King Jimmy. Give them. 27. Have thou bound unto a wife, seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife, seek not a wife. So by the time we start doing church programs, the agenda which is for God to give you a life partner, a familiar spirit has influenced it. There's no such place in the scripture. Show me one place that justifies you making a prayer point out of marriage, out of life partner. It is the pressure under us to marry that makes singleness a liability. When in scripture, it was actually an asset to be celebrated. But in our society, it's a curse. Your biological clock is ticking. Off it! Why do we marry? Simple. Because we are at liberty to. Not because we have to. Verse 28. If you do get married, you haven't sinned. It's just that I would want to spare you the problems you face with the extra challenges of being married. See how King James puts it. You trust King James, Abby? Mm -hmm. King James. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. New King James. If you do get married, it's not a sin. If a young woman, if you do not marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. Message. But there's certainly no sin in getting married, whether you are a virgin or not. All I'm saying is that when you marry, you take on additional stress in an already stressful time. That's why I started by explaining to you that our culture is different. Because our citizenship is in heaven. So that you that are here, as you form godly marital alliances and give birth to children, your obligation, if you live the next 20 years, is to hand the gospel to your children. You are more obligated to hand down the gospel than to hand down the traditions of your people. There has to be a generation that arises the way we were born into religion. There has to be a generation of children that grow up in nothing but the gospel. Hearing it, growing by it until they can choose it. You owe that to the next generation. Otherwise your loins and whatever it contains is wasted. It's wasted. 
Your loins and whatever is contained therein is wasted. If you don't bequeath the gospel in the generation that is coming, that is devoid of all these additional colorings of, of culture and tradition. But the word of God is clear. We are saved into rest, not into stress. When did marriage become the parameter for who is successful? A man is 30, 35, doing well, CEO. They will tell the man has not settled down. When will you settle? All I have done, I have land in Dubai, land in the village, land in the city, land in Lagos. You are still not settled. What is settling down? A woman. And it's your pastor that's asking you, when will you settle down? And what hope is there for the church? All your sister, all your mates are married. They are finished giving back to children. The Bible says multiplying. Not only you. Because our replenishment in the earth now is sons coming into glory. Yeah. Not procreation in the biological sense. Yeah. That comes natural to human living. God didn't tell you to replenish and, and the earth in the sense of go and have children. So God wants to use it and get population. You think that was what was on God's mind when it says multiply? It says produce your own kind. Our kind now is the kingdom. What we are producing now, go into the world and make disciples. Our procreation now, our, our multiplication is sons into the kingdom. And physical children as a byproduct. God doesn't need you to make people plenty. And we are even trying to reduce the people. Do you understand that? So marriage is not a life ambition. Oh, is it, is it good to marry? Yeah, knock yourself out. But don't look at somebody as though they are nothing because they've married. See the next verse. It gets worse. Next verse. Verse 29. TPT. Are you there? My friends, what I mean is this. The urgency of our times means that from now on, those who have wives should live as though without them. Verse 29. Show them in the message. I do want to point out, friends, that the time is, time is of the essence. There's no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple in marriage. So you see that we have been preaching an antichrist marriage gospel in church for centuries, especially in Africa. And there are some things I'd rather not teach than teach the wrong thing. It's not, it's not my force. So... Of course, there's parental pressure. We have to deal with that for one more generation. Because I, I, listen, take my word. A generation is coming that will turn this thing on his head. And we're at the forefront of it. We'll turn this thing on its head. Right side up. All we need to do is persevere a little longer. Take the pain, take the pang a little longer. Do you understand that now? There's liberty. There's liberty. 32. We're in Tipiti, right? Stay in Tipiti. <laughs> because of this, we need to live as free from anxiety as possible. For a single man is focused on the things of the Lord and how he may please him. Go on. But a married man is pulled in two directions. 
For he's concerned about both the things of God and the things of the world in order to please his wife. 34. And the single woman is focused on the things of the Lord. So she can be holy in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. 35. I'm trying to help you and make things easier for you and not make things difficult. But so that you would have undistracted devotion. Serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. That means it takes extra discipline in the grace of God to navigate marriage as a son of God. The same way that if you are really called into ministry as a pastor, look at me, everybody. If you are really called into ministry as a pastor, the first thing you do is run. It is charlatans that throw ordination party. Charlatans. You have calculated the hammer where you go use that pastor to hammer. So you are celebrating your install, installation as a pastor. If you head God into genuine ministry, the first thing you do is run. Because it's not something, if you, the moment you sign, you have signed your death sentence. I have pastors here. You will run. You have faith. Though. You love Jesus. You love God. You are convinced it's God. That, that's why you're running. That's why you're running. Because you know that once you sign the dotted lines, in a manner of speaking, all of you is in. Everything has come second. Everything has come second. Wife is number two. I told you guys over and over. Yeah. We have to settle it already. Number one is taken. So you're comfortable with number two? Let's do it. And then you can help me push number one. In the same way that you respond like that when you are called, is the same way that you look at marriage. Because of the responsibility of becoming Christ to that woman. You will not let anything force you into it. Peer pressure is too cheap to sustain your marriage. I want to carry my grandchild, born a grandchild. <laughs> because most times parents are pushing you to born so they can have grandchild that you look after. Because once Omugwa is done, mama is gone. Then your eyes shall clear. Because when you take your child to school and they ask for school, you say, no, it's not my child, it's my mother's grandchild. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I'm not a mother. Oh. I'm not a mother, it's just that my mother has, has a grandchild through me. Then you will cure yourself of some pressure. I want to carry my grandchild. I want to carry my, make a grandchild. Can't you see how clear scripture is? At the moment we said that somebody who is single is focused on the Lord. And somebody, somebody, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You start to grumble. Because you still want to negotiate with the word. And you are the reason why the church is still as messed up as it is. Because the word of God is for application. It's not for negotiation. We must free ourselves from this pressure. We must, the, church must, the church is obligated to free its sons and daughters from the pressure, the earthly induced pressure of marriage and not just marriage, but marriage as a parameter for measuring success in the earth. What determines your readiness to date and get married? You've seen it there. You're signing your date sentence. It's not a territory that boys navigate. It's not. Let me answer the other question about what is dating. There's no, let me, can, I, can I be very clear? There's no such thing in the kingdom as dating. Don't touch a woman. You are not ready to marry. 
Let all these secular influences in the kingdom stop. I owe it to the people I'm responsible for. Now, all of you don't have to take it and it's fine. You understand? My veracity in ministry is not in your acceptance of my message. That's not how I valid. That's not how I measure my validity. But there are people to whom I'm sent. What is that? Dating. Cutting. <laughs> seeing each other. Are we not seeing each other? See, but we are seeing. I, say, I don't understand. Were you blind before? We are seeing. I say, hey, hey, what were you doing before? We are together. Were you apart before? <laughs> whenever people come to me, whenever couples or intending couples come to me for, for advice or counsel, I take particular delight in making them say what they don't want to say. I love it. Because you know how you come and sit down, you think a pastor is stupid. How much you know what I'm talking about? You sit down, you come to my face, sit down, you think I, I don't have sense. You think it's you that is smart. That you can collect what you want without saying it the way it is. Until you meet Pav. Yeah. You sit down in my office. I'm not I'm looking at you like this. I say, what do you mean? I can see you coming home. But you say it. I'm, in, I'm not in a hurry. That's why the meetings always take place in my office, on my turf, on my terms. It's my gen and bonnie, it's my AC and bonnie. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not doing me any favor right now. You will say what you don't want to say. We are together. What does that mean? <laughs> we like each other. Did you hate each other before? <laughs> and then I'll ask questions like, like, so when anybody wish to me, I'll say, okay, so what do you see in this sister? You say, yeah. She has the fear of God, you know. <laughs> She's spiritual. When they finish, and I say, okay, that's it. You say, yes. I say, so what do you see in this sister? I like the way she prays. She, she inspires me a lot. You know, she challenges my faith. I say, beautiful. I say, that's it. I say, yes. I say, so now, what do you see in this? You are lying. If you tell me Alexander Victor, as you like the way she prays, you like the way she, like the way she, she prays, you like the way she spring tongues, you like the way she inspire you. You are lying. And I don't know if there's such a question here. Because if you are not attracted to what you marry, you are dead. You are in trouble. Oh, I wish I had time. I don't want to rush these things. It's, a, it's, a, it's not what it's about, but it's an integral element. Jesus fell in love, then cleaned her up to look like what he had in his mind. So he can look at her every time and go, Whoa, I made that one. You have to like what you see. Now, not like him in a promissory sense. I know that if his brother get money, he go fine. <laughs> Am I in less talk relationships? <laughs> it looks like money will look good on you. <laughs> hey! The guy will get money, will buy green shoes with red lace, yellow socks. You know what I'm talking about. Three piece suit, the trouser keeping malice with the shoe. Cravat, brooch, pin, suspect, uh, bow tie inside a collar shirt. He will look like last year's masquerade. Part his hair here, coiled inside. 
come out. Say, honey, let's go for a date. He's like, God forbid, I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> no, sir. So you don't date, you don't marry to, you don't start dating to see if you will marry. You, hey, you are wasting precious time. And sisters, you are allowing yourself to be led on a journey of no return. I mean, think about it again in the light of Christ. Because Jesus fell in love with you. Why did he not send Elijah to die for you first? To test, to see whether you are ready for your sins to be forgiven. Then you will not send Jesus. He's the pattern. He fell in love with you. He didn't show up and say, let me, let me, let me, let's send Isaiah. Shebi Isaiah has walked naked for three and a half years preaching. Let Isaiah die and test them and say he's dying for their sins. Let's see how they respond. If they respond favorably to Isaiah, then I think they are ready now for Jesus. This is how God loved the world. Oh, toast. God loved the world. He gave his best first. He gave his best first. Not to see whether you're worthy of it. But because he reckoned you were worthy of it. So what makes you ready for marriage is a reckoning that that is the person for you. Not even, can you handle this? Not even a confirmation. One of the most dangerous things in the church is that crazy phrase. I don't, again, I don't know where we coined it from. How do you know it was God? I felt a release. I felt peace in my spirit. You're about to drown. How do you know it's God? Peace. Peace like a river. Just peace. You know. Ha! Some of the things that will change your life in line with God's will, you will do it with your heart beating. Because you see, a brother can come home and we, we, words will be rolling off his tongue like a hot knife through, like through butter. Because a hunter knows exactly how to trap his prey. You, you're looking for what? You, you will find a guy that will say exactly what you want to hear. You will swear, eh, 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 God appeared to me. <laughs> and a short while later, he runs out of currency to fund his pretense. The reality hits you. That's why I said the best thing you can get is discernment. You don't get in here to try and see, if, is it going to look like it's going to work? We get into it because we have determined, we reckon this is what it is. So we start to make it work. Are you following me now? Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. Start to get food ready. Amen? Look at them. All I was, all I was saying. Is this helping anybody? It's not a feeling. It's a choice that you make. Can I say this? Malagoba. There is no woman submitted that a man cannot make a wife. There is no submitted woman that is unmarriageable. Because the woman by herself doesn't have what it takes to become a wife. It's in the husband. So how you even start to know that this is the one you are reckoning is the one, is that the guy is prepared to take responsibility for you. Without even your body in the equation. Because you are in trouble if a man establishes his net worth of you from your body. From your body parts. Your human anatomy. You are in trouble. Because the day that those things drop, your marriage will drop. The day they stop to wiggle. 
Your marriage is on shaky foundation. And those of you sisters that have painted a picture in your diary of what the Lord shall give you as the man. Father, you should have seven packs. He's going to be tall and whenever he's tall, he's always dark. I don't know what's wrong with you sisters. Can a man not be tall and fair and handsome? For God's sake, as long as he's tall, he must be dark and handsome or handsome. <laughs> he must be tall, dark. Why? Why can't he be tall, fair and beautiful? Or short, dark. Amen. If you are there, the scripture says, Lo, I am with you always. <laughs> it's not my fault you are falling short of the glory. Amen. So, you cannot start a journey to marriage and break it up if two people were involved in it wholeheartedly. It works. It's not an experiment. Enter here, see that you want to get to. Let's date here, let's cut. Okay, I think we should take our relationship to the next level. Both of you are a fraud. So, Jesus is coming from the Hey, Malato Tibra, John chapter 1. Jesus lifted up, John lifted up his eyes in chapter, chapter 1, verse 29. And he saw Jesus. As soon as he saw Jesus, he knew what Jesus came. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away. Jesus arrived on the scene. His purpose was clear. He didn't arrive to see whether they'll be worthy for their sins to take away. He didn't arrive to see whether if they follow him well enough, they might justify whether he would die for them or not, and, and maybe just go back because this thing is not going to work. Doesn't look like it's going to work. I'm especially at the time where many of the disciples turned away from following him, but I've gone, nah, this ain't gonna work. I don't think he get, as soon as he showed up, why he came was clear. So, brother, when you show up, what you are coming for should be clear, should be so clear, even the blind can see it. Let's be something. What's that? Let's be an item. And then you come to, after three years. Pastor, my husband objectifies me because you both started as an item. Think about it. My husband just thinks of me as a thing. He just sees me as a thing. He just sees me as a thing to use and don't. Because you came and said we want to be. So how do you expect him to treat you? So we around here, it's not it's a secular thing. Came because man fell. Here we're getting involved in it or we're not. And so you see a lot of young people that are running around. You know, I, I said, I've told our young people here, Pastor, that the problem of dating is the fault of the church. The church suspects every young man that they see with a young lady. The church suspects every young lady they see with a young man. They see you hugging and they go, wow, this one's, they are doing something. They are committing fornication. They are committing this and they are committing that. So after a while, the young man now determines, okay, let me pick one. So that everybody will now know that we're committing. So really what you get is a provisional license. You're not a drive, you don't have a driver's license, but you are, you are driving. So church will look at you and go, yeah, at least. You know, Ikenna is with Susanna. Ikenna we know, Susanna we know. Who are you? And then the whole church now becomes police of Ikenna and Susanna. Yeah. I saw Ikenna there, Susanna was not there. I saw Susanna with this guy. Uh, no, excuse me, I don't know, but does he cannot have a flat f- f- back of his head? Don't look at me like that. You know that who you saw is not a kinna. You know. 
but you don't want to open your mouth and say it's not a kenna. You know, see, Lucy, last I don't know. Last time I checked, is he kenna's the back of his head? Is he flat or is there a fold there? Somebody say, what kind of question is that? You know, I'm just trying to know because I I, I think it's a kenna, but I'm not sure because this person had had something. Paul says, mark such people, avoid them. But because we have brought in legislations to police liberty, young people cannot be themselves anymore. So you feel like you must pair up. Because when I ask young people, why are you wanting a date? Why do you want a boyfriend? So I can hang with him. I say you can hang with other brothers. All of us, we can hang. In this church, we are the king of hanging. One said, oh, somebody to take me to the movies. I say, me, pav, me. I will take you to the movies. Me. I will carry my daughters, one of three of them, five of them. Movies, let's go. We must demystify the nonsense that makes you feel you need to single out one person to do it. And then you can focus clearly and know exactly why you want to marry. Call me. Call me whatever names you want to call me. That's your business. I have a people to raise. Oh, I want to, I want to, I just feel like going out. Dress up. Let's go out. I will call some, one of my pastors. My, I've raised some fine men. Mayowa, Johnny, Wisdom. Uh, Loretta feels like going out. Take, since I've done it. Me. Take 6,000. Take her to dinner. Dress up. Go out. Go out. There are many of you here that have been walked home. Because I told somebody to chaperone you. Make sure she gets home safe. I've done it. Drop you in the hostel those days. Carry the girls. Drop them off. So you are thinking, why do you want somebody with a car? Let's, the whole church, we have cars. You need a car? See car here. Don't think of a man and think car. It's the church that has messed this thing up. And then somebody messes up, then we start to insult them. Let's remove the distractions. Let young people see clearly. Why are you dating? Why do you want a man? I want companionship. We plenty come. Sometime before I traveled last year in this building, we're like 25 sleeping here. For six weeks, I did not sleep in my house. I was here in this office. And we'll crash, we'll cook. I'm walking here. So that person is walking here. People are sharing here. People are praying the other way. We are family. So you want companionship? Come and hang with your folks in church. If you cannot be safe in your local church, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. Change church quickly. 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 So let's remove this thing. So by the time all of us are hanging together, all of us fellowship together, all of us go out. The other day, my pastors and some people, they were like 25 here. They got up and strolled to Bogobiri. Bought like 4,000 naira suya, ate the suya and came back. Before you say, oh, I feel like going out. Let us all go. So is that what you want a man for? No, all of us are here. Is that what you want a sister for? All of us are here. Oh, I feel like giving you a hug. I will come to you. I will drive to you to hug you. And I say it with every joy and love and humility and pride. So that you, you, you can see clearly. Say, so, oh, I wish I could use a hug. Come and take it. What? Oh, I want somebody to compliment me. Oh, no, your pastor, you, nobody can compliment you. Oh, no, no, no. I would tell you. In this church, if you ch- ch- do your hair, I know. 
I will tell you, this is new. When did you do this? This is old. When is it going off? Before you think you need one Abdulaziz to tell you you look nice. See, women, listen to me. Women are not cheap. They are sensitive. Just pay attention to them. It's not like they are stupid. But you wonder why we're in church, all the nice sisters, is some idiot brothers outside that take them. Yeah, you're doing Jesus brother, Jim Jim, holy. Oh. You know? Jim, brother speaking in tongues. But all the fine sisters that we pastors will raise is some guys that will come and take just because that guy paid attention. You are seeing your sister in church and all you are doing is mocking her. Thinking that you are playing with her. She will never see you as a man she can marry. Ever. Trip her when she walks. Slap her. Pinch her. Do that. She will look at you. <laughs> Stop it. And she will, she, will ever, she will only ever see you as a brother. She will never ever take you seriously as a man she can marry. Yes, that's correct, sir. She will just zone you. And then you go, all the sisters in this church, they're like, you're being stupid. Guy, I'm serious. Are we not talking? I mean, stupid. Hey, I see. You call her nicknames. And, then, and, and when, she, when she needs what she needs, that's not what she needs. When she needs what she needs, she's looking to be secure in a guy. To get lost in a guy and feel like this guy's got me. And she look at you and think, you are, you are a child. I mean, you are cute and all. And the Holy Ghost Father, you know this one, it's cute. You know, it's very cute. But can't cut it. It's not ready for this. That's how you know you're ready. Or that you're not ready. You take on the responsibility head on. Knowing at first what you have reckoned. That make sense? We're going to have to continue this another day. I'll take two more questions. Is that alright? I've heard about the will of God in marriage from different preachers. And it turns out to be confusing to me what I hear. Please, but <laughs> And it's true. Please, Pav, I want to get and understand all about the will of God in marriage in the light of Christ. Brilliant. Simple. There is no brother called the will of God. Now, I said in the light of Christ. We have been coming this, on this journey for a long while. We didn't just get here and start talking relationships. I've taught my people Christ. How, how to understand the will of God when I say the will of God is not a brother or a sister. There's no brother or sister named the will of God for your life. Such that failing to marry them is missing the will of God. I will explain that. In the light of Christ, there is a crucial doctrine. I've taught my people in this church called the doctrine of predestination. Or the doctrine of election. Some schools of thought believe that there is a particular number of people God has destined to be saved. Such that if you are not, are you in the number? Are you in the number? Are you in the number? Saved by grace. Are you in the number? Are you in the number? And at, at the end of that song, you'll be like, wait, so, Father, I don't know the song total of that number. But pass me not, oh gentle. That's where, that's where it comes from. And then there's a school of thought that understands that God does not specify who will be saved, but in his preeminence or in his sovereignty, he knows such as will be saved and deals with them as such. In other words, it will be an aberration to God if God 
did not know who would be saved and who wouldn't at any point in time. Now, because in his foreknowledge, he knows, he deals with those as the ones he knows are going to receive what he has given. Do you understand that now? Now, bring that into guy here. There is no such thing as the will of God for a guy. There is a yielded brother at the right time processed enough to process a sister. There is a brother yielded at the right time who himself has been processed enough to process a sister. And there is a yielded sister who has been processed enough to receive processing from a brother. Any such collision of these two preparations is the manifestation of the will of God. Any such collision of these two preparations at any point in time, any point in Kronos, is the will of God. So there's no destination. God stopped choosing people for husband and wife the day Adam came and said, the woman you gave me. The narrative now changed from that to he that finds a wife. <laughs> Does that deal with that? Do soul ties exist? No. Again, it's secular spiritism. If any man be in Christ, the new creation, he has translated us. He has translated us. If soul ties survived the cross, ancestral wickedness also survived. He who governs the soul is the only one that can tie it. Now you can have a strong emotional connection to someone on an almost obsessive level and then define it as a soul tie. No soul is not tied to anybody. Who tied it? So just renew your mind. Is that all right? Can I answer a few more? I, I, used to, I used to listen to me. What is considered cheating in a relationship? Very simple. Cheating is when you place anybody on the same pedestal as your partner in any dimension. When you place anybody else on the same pedestal as your partner in any dimension. In other words, you don't have to have slept with somebody else to be cheating on your partner. Oh, let me tell you something that I have not so Ikena and Susanna are in a relationship. And then Ikena goes, eh, let me tell you, Christy, stuff. What I'm sharing with you, I don't share with Susanna. Ah, you have been played already. And Ikena is cheating on Susanna with you. Once you, are elev- you have elevated anybody to the same pedestal as your partner in any dimension, you are cheating. What you have done is you have abdicated a dimension of your relationship. You have given out, what's what I'm looking for now? Outsourced a dimension of your relationship to somebody else. You have acknowledged that there's a dimension of your relationship that is lacking therein and therefore you are filling the gap with somebody else. Are you hearing me? And it can be, hear me carefully, it can be as spiritual as prayer. Because by the time you are praying with somebody else, prayer is going to pray with your partner. You are already doomed. It means you went into that thing with your eyes closed. And you are most likely going to have to repent by walking out of it. Ouch. Because these things are earthly. 
and I, 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 you share a dimension, you know, you earn a particular amount and your partner doesn't know. Somebody else does. You're cheating. And there is no way that other person will hold your partner in high esteem when you make porous that dimension of your relationship. Does that make sense? You sabotage the integrity of your relationship on the altar of outsourcing a dimension of it. The other person will look at you, you and your relationship in the light of what you have with them that you don't have with the other person. And that's cheating. Do you understand that? How can one relate with an obvious enemy? By relating. Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Walk up to somebody, have the audacity to tell them, I know you don't like me, but I love you. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but it's important that I let you know that I think I understand the vibe. I may be wrong, but I love you all the same. And it'd be nice if we could work something out and have some level of understanding and all, but I understand it doesn't work either, but I love you. That's what the word tells us to do. Not to pretend to love, but to actually love indeed. Make sense? Okay, I'm doing good, right? In a, in a world where sex is a priority, should the virgin lose her dignity in order to stay in a relationship or keep herself and stay single? Note, after several rejections or stay single. Good evening, Pop. You have been saved by the rejections. So the rejections are actually deliverance. First of all, please, virginity is not dignity. Please. What did I say? Yes. It's not. Please stop equating. Don't, there's something that makes a lady feel special. Feel superior because her hymen that she doesn't even know whether or not is intact is intact. A little piece of tissue has become the determining line between superior and inferior. Piece of blood tissue, body tissue that is not even there in most instances. You have in your athletics, you have in your genetics, you have in your evolution, done away with it. And you're looking for something. A lot of us will be disappointed when after you have been a virgin for 50 years, the first time you make love, nothing breaks, nothing's there. You will lose even more dignity then. Because there's something about us wanting to see something flow. To make you feel like it is the one Jesus flowed that matters. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Having said that, there is absolute sense in not mortgaging your body for acceptance. Yes, you hear what I said? Yes. Absolute, that's where dignity lies. Not mortgaging your body for acceptance. In fact, not mortgaging any part of you, to be honest. Because once you give your body, you are submitting yourself to the state of your mind at that point. You understand? If you, if you give your body to be... It's, it, has, it, it, it has come out of the fact that in your mind you have determined that you need to do something to be accepted. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you are in relationships or a guy comes around and he leads with sex, just keep moving. Hello? Just keep moving. Because love doesn't ask for. Love gives. You don't, you don't fall in love with someone and then tell them to prove their love to you. 
<laughs> before you can now do something for them. Before you can know whether we will continue this thing or not. Again, that's not the example Jesus showed us. For God so loved that he gave. And he gives. And continues to give. And he's responsible for the church. It's preservation. It's sanctification. It's growth. It's elevation. It's justification. It's glorification. It's all on Jesus. Asking nothing in return. Other than that you believe. Are you still here? Does that make sense? Don't do that. If you love me, prove it. Huh? Not for acceptance. Is that clear? After knowing this truth, how can an, an intended couple who have come into this knowledge convince the church, families, and the society of this path of truth? The Lord will help you. <laughs> it ain't going to be easy. Ultimately, like I said, marriage. Ultimately, marriage is a family deal. Ultimately. So family requirements will need to be met where possible to the measure that they do not impede your faith. Does that make sense? But there's some things that we fight over in families when it has to do with marriages that are absolutely unnecessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Unnecessary. Let them have the wedding. You can have the marriage. I tell that all the, all the time to couples. Allow the families to have the wedding. It has to be cockroach red and, and, and nepa black. Akamu white. And you know we can nearly come to blows about color. This shade of olive is more teal than olive. This shade of olive is more mango than olive. This, let them have the shades. Give them the porridge. Take the blessing. Does that make sense? Same thing with church. Church says you must kneel down. You must do premarital. You must do deliverance. You must do where necessary. Let church knock themselves out. Because, can I be honest with you? None of those things determine the quality of a marriage relationship. The things that determine the quality of a marriage relationship lie within the marriage relationship itself. So be guided by the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Amen? Okay. <laughs> this one is very, very um, crucial. Do I still have your attention? So, so I can take a few more. I know that intimacy, that sexual intimacy, is all about connection between the two people. How is it possible that a man is good with having many sexual partners? And when you, I assume you being the lady, talk about it or are uncomfortable with it, they, the man, I assume, pin it to you being insecure in yourself and what you both share. Does being confident mean that you keep up with it all by being, by settling and being comfortable because you know what you both share? Is that confidence? And what's the answer? First of all, you know that your partner has multiple other sexual partners. It's already a doubly twisted relationship. It's not something to negotiate. That, that, that the person has that and you do, not, you do not know is one thing. That the person has that and then you know, find out, tell the person and the person does not deny is a second thing. That you know, the person does and you know and tell the person and the person says, why are you fretting? You are being insecure. You should be secure enough for me as a man to have multiple sexual partners and you are aware of it until you are in trouble. These are the, the kinds of appearance of evil that scripture tells you to flee from. Amen? 
Okay. Ah, I like this one. Pav, is it still advisable to go after a woman that turned you down when you didn't have anything? When you know the reason she turned you down? Now that you are rich. So first of all, brother, I celebrate your richness. Having said that, guy, nothing stops you from going after that lady. What shall we do to Barnabas? Release him to us. But he's a criminal. Release him to us. He raped your daughters. Release him to us. He stole from you. Release him to us. What what, what am I going to do with Jesus? Crucify him. He healed your sick. Crucify him. He raised that woman's son from the dead. Crucify him. Jairus' daughter. Crucify him. Sunday they were screaming, Behold, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Thursday morning, crucify him. He stretches on the cross. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Again, guys, he's our pattern. He's our pattern. This is where you separate love and ego. Are you listening to me? Yeah. If, if the person is contrite and the person is away, because again, there's a danger of the person turning around because they realize now that you don't hammer. That's why you need the spirit of discernment. This is helpful. So please, yeah, by all means, as long as you're, nothing stops the person repenting and saying, I got it wrong, you know? And it makes for a good story, to be honest. Good story of redemption. Um, this is, I got married at, at a tender age, had three kids, lost one, Lost my marriage afterwards due to domestic violence. I loved my ex-husband, but I hope and wish I can find someone who will respect me. Listen, the love that Jesus has for you surpasses every love any human can show you. And so the first thing I'd like you to know is you have lost nothing. You've lost nothing. And because you've lost nothing, whatever you think you've lost in the flesh, he's able to restore. That's why we sang that song. He's bringing everything in obedience to Christ. Better is never behind. God's best cannot be behind. The path of the justice is the light that shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. So it's not the end. I mean, you're surrounded by love more than you can see. All you need to do is open up your arms and receive it. And bask in his love. We here, we're going to love on you if you just, I mean, just we just going to love on you. we just going to love on you. You're not on your own. And there's, again, it goes back to the abuse thing. There's nothing you've gone through that he didn't go through for you. And because he's gone through for you, there's always a place in his heart for you. Always. So encourage yourself. I mean, we here are a bunch of ex-misfits that the Lord put together. All of us, no exceptions. A bunch of people that, my God, hopeless places, empty places, if not for grace. Hallelujah. Praise God. How do you break up a four-year-old relationship that isn't in the light of Christ without hurting the other person? Sister, let me promise you, the brother will hurt. After the brother hurts, he will heal. And the church say, Listen, 
the last thing you want to do is maintain a relationship you shouldn't be in because of sympathy. The life of a child of God is too precious to be sacrificed on the altar of sympathetic consideration. The life of a son of God is too precious to be offered on the altar of sympathetic consideration. Oh, if I leave him, oh, look after him. The way he was being looked after before you came is the same way he would. Angels shall bear him on their wings. He shall not dash his foot against his stone. If he dash it himself, he's on his own. You know, go to your stone. Ah, why did you leave me? Now bang your head. It will pain you. (laughs) But you will survive. If God has led you to do something or action a decision, it's not up to you what happens in the fallout. Yeah? It's not up to you. Rather than stay in when you know that this is not headed the way that God will have it go. And you have the liberty now to walk away from it. Walk. And let the chips fall where they may. Amen? Because even you will hurt. Except you you didn't love him. But if you loved him, if you love him, you too will hurt. Walking away won't be so easy for you. Does that make sense? Do you have to tell your partner about all your past or do you just summarize it? <laughs> I, did, I did things in my past that are not really good. We all do wrong, innit? Yeah. Then when she or he find out about the past and is not so comfortable with it, is it advisable to say them or bear your wrongs out, learning to trust the individual? Now this is, it sounds funny, but it's very crucial. Now, we, we tell, our go-to scripture is the one in, in John when he says, I think First John, confessing your sins to one another. Now, if that were literal in, as regards to confessing your wrongdoing to one another, it will not say confessing your past to one another. Hello? So there is no scriptural injunction for full disclosure of your past when God himself doesn't remember it. Did you hear what I said? Most times also, when partners are requesting for full details of the past, most times, 90% of them don't have the capacity to process it. And when it has to do with men, most of them are trying to measure the performance of the ex against theirs. Measure how much they have against what the other person had. And vice versa. Sisters are trying to measure their current security against what the other person enjoyed. Very few, very few have the capacity to process. You know why? Because we're in his image, but we ain't God. There's the father, there's us with the son. But there's the father. (laughs) Do you understand? Now, he doesn't reference it. He doesn't keep record of it. Neither should we. He's the pattern. Do we understand what I've said? Can I go on to the next part? Having said that, In the interest of moving forward to the degree that the past has the propensity to catch up with you, disclose it. Does that make sense? You have a child, for instance, and the child is alive. The child will show up. I promise you. So it's better to say, you know what? I have a child. This is is the baggage I come with. And let the person determine how he's going to process that. Does that make sense? Oh, I had an atopic pregnancy and I have uh, they've said I have just one ovary are you here with me and that could potentially affect 
by diagnosis my chances of having children. Now, God has given children with no ovaries. I've seen it. I'm a witness. God has given children with no womb. So that doesn't stop anything. Oh, does that make sense? But because it's something that we're going to be walking through and trusting the Lord together, as sensitive as it is, you disclose. So there's no formula. The scriptural precedent is your past doesn't count. Because if somebody's taking you on, he's taking you on as you are, not as you were. So even the person should not be so fixated on your history. I know you're quiet. I know it's a rice as well, but... No, eat up. Eat. I didn't say stop eating. Just eat. Just nod your head. The back of your head. So I can know if your head is the one that is flat or... Now, again, any other answer will be philosophical. Scriptural precedent is your past doesn't count. Doesn't matter. Should not be an item. Moving forward. Because most times you just log the past along. But where it has the propensity. For instance, you have a very vindictive ex who has promised that it doesn't matter where you go, you end up with me. I know what I'm saying. It is in your interest and the interest of your safety and the safety of your current partner to say, see you, somebody's pushing me. Does that make sense? Let's know how we are going to deal with this together. Does that make sense? Has that answered sufficiently? Awesome. Have we done good tonight? Can we just give God a clap of praise? Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.